and welcome to another episode of Boundless Body Radio. I'm your host, Casey Ruff, and today we have another amazing guest to introduce to you now. Ada Fox is known as Black Carnivore on social media. She is an educator about the carnivore diet who has created an inclusive space for black people and people of color to learn about the carnivore diet, health, and nutrition. Eid restored her health through low carbohydrate and carnivore diets, and now she shares her message to anyone who wants to walk the same path to health. Ada recognizes the importance of creating space for people of color to connect with each other in the health world. She is also the host of the very successful podcast, The Black Carnivore Podcast. Follow Ada on social media at Black Carnivore. Ada, what an honor it is to welcome you to Boundless Body Radio. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to having this opportunity to talk with you. Absolutely. So cool to have you on. I don't know if you have listened to the book Green Lights um, by Matthew McConaughey. Is that something you've done so far? Actually, no. Okay. <laughs> I'm excited to hear about it. So it's it's an awesome book. It's one of the only books that I recommend that you listen to it um, rather than just read it because it's done in his voice, which is just like utterly cool very very cool um but one of the one of the quotes he has in there is all about cool being something that is totally timeless once something is cool it's cool for all times and when i see you and the work that you do i just think man she is straight up cool timelessly amazingly cool so (laughs) hope you take that as a compliment I, I, my, the high school girl in me is like, yes, yes. finally. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, you have a super interesting story that I would um, love if you wouldn't mind telling it to our listeners about your health and um, the journey you've been on. Um, yeah. On the carnivore diet. Sure. Absolutely. So um, I, you know, this originally started, well, uh, you know, I'm not going to go all the way back to my birth, but I certainly have been um, on an effort to uh, lose weight and get healthier for for decades. And um, I've tried, you know, every different diet. But finally, in 2015, I was sort of at a at, well, I was at my all time high in terms of weight. But not only that, I was really feeling terrible. And um, I kind of got to the point, I was 44 at the time, and I kind of had the idea in my head, you know, I I guess this is middle age. Um, This is what middle age feels like. And I I just decided, you know, if I was going to be middle age, I wanted to start start higher on the hill. And, and, you know, let that slow decline be, uh, you know, much slower. And so I, you know, began my effort to um, do everything I could to improve my health and uh, be the healthiest middle-aged person I could be. And um, that began first by, you know, trying to lose weight. And, um, and then over time, you know, I got really interested in trying to figure out like what worked and why it was working. And so I, I had done low carb in the past. So I decided to try that again. And, um, and it worked so well, not only for weight loss, but reducing inflammation, reducing pain, like my, my aches and pains went away. Um, my plantar fasciitis went away and, um, I was totally exhausted, you know, at the beginning of my, my weight loss effort. And, um, you know, I was live and, you know, I live in New York city and there's always things to do, you know, after work. And I, I couldn't do any of those things. You know, I stopped being able to go to art galleries or, you know, shows or plays or any of the things that go on in the city. And it was really all I could do to like get up, go to work, come home. And so I, I really just wanted to feel more energetic and less pain. 
And so, you know, I started on uh, low carb and it, it, in surprisingly short period of time, you know, the pain and the energy improved even before I had significant weight loss. So I knew that there was something special going on. And so I continued on my keto journey. I ended up losing 80 pounds, but I still had some nagging health conditions that didn't clear up. Um, and that I'd heard other people who were doing keto, you know, had success with. And so I, you know, I listened to a lot of the scientific, um, you know, conferences and presentations, of, you know, by doctors who were talking about what, you know, what ketogenesis is, why it's important, what it does for you. And I heard, <clears throat> I heard people talking about the carnivore diet. And so I finally decided to give it a try. And Within two days, like it, it was like a, a light switch went on. I mean, it was so dramatic and stark, the improvement for me. And I knew that this is how I was going to eat the rest of my life. Wow. And I knew that um, I would, you know, I, I figured that I would have um, times that I fell off the diet or whatever, but I knew that this was what really worked for me. And so, I, you know, I dove in and <clears throat> I stopped eating. I, I realized that dairy was a problem for me when I took out dairy, like I had no, um, you know, my asthma went away and, uh, my asthma was one of the things that was actually at an all time, uh, or was, um, actually at, at the very worst when I, right at the beginning, when I started carnivore, um, I ended up in, uh, January of 2018, I ended up going to uh, urgent care twice uh, because I just could not breathe. And um, I was formally diagnosed with asthma-induced allergies. And um, Sorry, allergy-induced asthma. <laughs> and I... Um, you know, I, I finally decided to take out dairy and it like instantly my asthma went away and I have not used my inhaler since. So I, I realized that, you know, food has a very big impact on, um, my health and, uh, that there are conditions that, you know, people struggle with, take medication every day for, and that could be, you know, totally reversed just by changing some of the ways that they eat. So I continued to learn more about the carnivore diet, continued to tweak it and work on it. And, um, you know, it was just wonderful for me. And so I decided that I wanted to try and share this information with anybody else who was interested in doing it. And certainly in the black community, asthma is rampant, diabetes is rampant. Um, you know, the metabolic diseases that are um, so deadly for most Americans um, uh, is, you know, progressing quickly through the community. And so so I wanted to make sure to share this information with my community. And, uh, you know, and I, I will admit that um, this is a, you know, this is a definitely a different way of eating. Um, it is, it takes a leap of faith to actually believe that this is something that can be helpful to you. You know, we've been educated for a long time about what is healthy. And I, you know, I was a person that cared about, you know, health. And I spent many years, you know, trying to make sure I ate the rainbow and I ate my superfoods and I incorporated garlic and kale and all the other things that I was told were super healthy. And I, you know, made no progress in my health doing that. And so, you know, I recognize that what I'm doing is very, very different. And in order for people to be successful with things that are so different, they need to have community and support. And so I created my channel as a place for people to get that kind of 
of support. And I think for, you know, for some people, for me, the science was enough to feel confident in what I was doing. But, you know, for other people, they need to hear testimony and need to see how the diet is implemented in certain people's lives and what kind of success they have. And so my um, you know, my podcast, uh, and, and YouTube channel, I really tried to find, um, you know, black people who were doing the carnivore diet, who were having success, who were turning around disease and share their stories and let that testimony be, um, one of the things that in, inspires and encourages people to move forward and to, you know, to try this way of eating. And I think, um, you know, that I've created something that is unique that, um, you know, there, there aren't a lot of other channels that are really, uh, just, you know, showing people's testimony. Now, uh, you know, there are people who are on social media and sharing their own stories and that's awesome, but not everybody is so comfortable, like, you know, displaying themselves on camera or on a podcast. So I really try to find regular everyday people, give them a platform and, um, and, you know, work with them to, to tell an engaging story and, and to tell their story. I think, you know, everybody is interesting. Everybody has an interesting tour story to tell. It just takes a little, um, you know, it takes the right person and the right conversation to bring that out. And that's what I try to do. So this is what I was talking about. That's so cool. <laughs> You're so cool. Thank I you. love that. I absolutely love your journey through health. And I love that you had the desire to share that message with people who need it. I think it's amazing. Um, I do want to ask you, you said you, you came across low carbohydrate, um, quite a while ago, what was it about your diet at that time that was not sustainable to the point you got off it and had to rediscover it later on? Uh, so I, I mean, I think I originally, I mean, I think it was back in the nineties when like the fourth iteration of the Atkins book came out mm. that I tried doing, um, low carb. And so I think at the time, you know, one, there wasn't all of the science that there is now. Um, so I think I wasn't having enough salt. So I think for most people, like that is a key problem that happens with uh, keto and with carnivore. You know, that is a significant portion of the keto flu. So for me, I think if in the 90s I had added more salt, I that would have helped a lot. Um, but also I am a sugar addict. So um, until I came to recognize that there was no way I was going to be able to, you know, continue to eat a lot of sugar and sweets, um, you know, this wasn't going to be sustainable in the long term. So the way I did it before is, you know, I would try to lose weight, I would do it, and then I would go back to eating my cakes and stuff, you know, whatever. And, um, and I think also at the time, I, you know, I was young, you know, so I wanted to be hanging out and going, you know, here and there. And I was living in LA and, like Roscoe's chicken and waffles was like the hot spot that everybody would go to. And, um, you know, there was uh, like a, an ice cream shop. They had a, the way they used to sell their stuff is like they had cookies. They, they would bake every 20 minutes. So they were hot and put an ice cream on it and you just kind of run in and run out and you, you buy this thing and it was so popular. So, you know, I was just kind of like doing everything everybody else was. 
Um, so for that reason, I don't think I was able to stick with it at the time. Mm. Later on, um, I, I had returned to low carb throughout the years. So there were times when I was eating less carbs and, you know, I would go in and out of ketosis and I, I, you know, I had the urine strikes, uh, sticks so I could tell, you know, I was going in and out of ketosis, but like, you know, I would sort of maintain that way, not lose more weight, but like maintain. And so, you know, I would try to eat quote unquote healthy and have all the rainbow and all of that and have my chicken and have my fish. But I would also, um, you know, go to my local bar and hang out all night and have several glasses of wine. And, you know, so, um, there were some good parts of my lifestyle and some not so good parts of my lifestyle. Uh, but it wasn't until, you know, when I hit 44 and I was really at my rock bottom in terms of health that I decided like, you know, none of that was worth it. And at the time, you know, I was, I was still going out, still having, um, you know, drinking and stuff like on the weekends and stuff. And I might have, you know, what I called my dinner of champions, um, two beers and a bag of chips. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that, that's, uh, that's not sustainable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. What I remember from the, you know, the, the kind of Atkins that you were describing, it was like, it, it wasn't the same as kind of the original and we had, had kind of gone through like the fat phobia part. And so I remember people eating a lot of things you mentioned, a lot of chicken, a lot of, you know, turkey, really lean meat and tons of protein, which is great, but nobody was really fat adapted and nobody knew what keto flu was. So everybody, I just remember like, yeah, you would lose weight, but everybody was walking around just pissed off all the time, <laughs> like so grumpy on this, on this diet that nobody could sustain it because it didn't seem like it was, you know, certainly wasn't high carb, but it, so it was very low fat at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. And I used a lot of olive oil actually, cause I would make these epic salads that were beautiful, you know, every color. And I, I would buy like uh, basil, um, the plant, and I would take a leaf or two because it smelled so delicious and add that to the salad. And, you know, so I did all of those things and, and the meals looked beautiful, but unless I put three or four tablespoons of oil on it, olive oil, I couldn't, um, like, I just couldn't make it through the day. And so I kind of, part of me was like, ah, you know, I'm, like the, the, everything that I'm doing is perfect, except it's got so much fat in it. And, um, I finally just was like, I, I, I give up. I think I, it just has to be drowned in oil because there's just no other way I can make it through the day. I'm just picturing like eating that and feeling the hunger like two hours later and exactly what that looks like. Extremely sharp hunger where your head is on the desk and you have to have sugar like right away. Otherwise you're right. Like you can't, you can't go about your day with that level of hunger. Yeah, absolutely. And I too, especially when I was off the low carb, I, at 3 PM, like I was one of those people that was like, I got to get something. And I worked in an office um, that had several floors and I knew every person in the office who kept candy on their desk. So I had a circuit every day and, you know, I would do different ones. I wasn't hitting up the same person every day, but I always, I always did that at three o'clock, just roaming for candy. And, uh, yeah. Wow. It was not good. That's crazy. That's so funny. I'm picturing like a candy zombie or something like walking around. I love yeah. that different routes. That's that's really smart of you. I like that. Um, so, yeah. so, so you mentioned, you know, the, the switchover from low carbohydrate the second time or, or the most recent time over to carnivore. Who, who were you following the most when you first learned about the carnivore diet? 
Well, I kind of came in and out of it a bunch of times. So back in 2006, there was it, um, there was like a forum um, that was headed by someone named Charles Washington, who talked about uh, doing a zero carb diet. And uh, it was a small collection of people who seemed to have, um, you know, significant health problems and uh, felt some relief on keto, but not enough. And so, um, you know, it was a small, very tightly knit community. And that's when I first heard about it, but I thought it was insane. And I, I, you know, I just could not wrap my head around it and I never fully tried it, you know, and I think that a lot of times we, um, I think people, you know, we all want to do things that are good for us and healthy for us. And it is hard to do things that are different. And a lot of times we, um, rationalize that I'm almost doing that. So it's good enough, but sometimes there, there is a difference between, um, you know, partway there and hundred percent there. And this is one of those things. So at the time I might think, well, you know, I'm, I'm really low carb, but there's a difference between, you know, being really low carb and doing carnivore. So, uh, so I didn't do, I never tried it back then. And then over the years, there was another person, Amber O'Hearn, who, um, had, you know, revert or, um, it was able to manage her bipolar disorder without medication just by following the carnivore diet. And so I would hear her talk and I think, oh, I should give this a try. Uh, but then, you know, finally, I think um, it was in December of 2017 that I came across a um, it was called the beef and butter fast. And basically you eat like a cup of ground beef crumbles for lunch and a cup for dinner and add like three or four tablespoons of butter to each. Um, cup. And so I decided to try that because I just wanted to lose some more weight. And it, on day two, I felt amazing. And then I was like, okay, I got to figure out like what, you know, what is going on here and why this is so amazing. And then, um, you know, I watched all of the things that everybody, uh, you know, that everybody has, um, watched and seen, I looked for everything that, you know, Amber O'Hearn had written or, you know, or any interviews of her, I looked for all the information and just continued to explore and learn. Um, most people, I think, you know, first sort of were exposed to it by the, there was a, um, you know, an interview with, uh, uh, Joe Rogan and Sean Baker. And, um, you know, that went very far and wide and, uh, you know, and that's kind of all of that just sort of came together to give me the idea that I could just try this, you know, even, you know, in 30 days, nothing is, you know, likely to kill you. So try it for 30 days and see how it is. Mm -hmm. Uh, but you know, I felt so much better. It was like, I, this is, you know, this is for me. You know, I never finished that episode, <laughs> the Joe Rogan. I mean, it was like four hours long, wasn't it? He does these like epically long <laughs> videos. Totally. totally. Like, no one, no one has seen all of it. We've been fortunate enough to talk to Amber O'Hearn on this show. We've also been fortunate to talk to Sean Baker. And I had to tell him, like, I'm a coach with your company. And to this day, I have not finished that episode. I turned it off. I turned it right off. I was like, this guy mm -hmm. is absolutely insane. 
the craziest thing I've ever heard. He's not doing any blood work, and all he's doing is eating ribeyes? Like, no way. And I stopped it, and I still haven't listened to the whole thing. I really, really should one of these days. <laughs> um, it, yeah. is, it is interesting that you mentioned the difference between low-carbohydrate and really, like, no-carbohydrate. And I, I agree with you completely. I was really skeptical of that in the beginning. I would love to hear an example of certain things that got better when you went to low-carb and other things that only got better once you went more strict. Uh, that's a great question. And so when I first went keto, um, like I said, I think that I personally am a sugar addict and not everybody is, but I think that I am. And so, um, getting off sugar was a big deal and that was super hard. And, um, my first transition into keto that, um, that last time, I think it took me about six weeks. And then at that six week mark, I, I one day was like, wow, I haven't thought about M&Ms in a couple of days and I feel, you know, great. And I think it took me that long to get fat adapted and to get through the withdrawals. Uh, I also think I had systemic yeast. And so, um, you know, whatever was going on in my gut microbiome, there was a battle to the death between, uh, you know, the different bacteria there and they, um, and I, you know, suffered as that happened. Um, but then when I went carnivore, I think taking out all the vegetables was, uh, was really important. And then taking out all the, um, the dairy was really important. I continued to have dairy all through my keto journey and my asthma was always a problem. And my eczema was always a problem and, um, and, you know, pr progressively got worse. So I was really stunned to see how different things were when I took out the, the plants and when I took out the dairy. I mean, it was like night and day. Uh, I, you know, I, all the, the time people, um, I mean, a lot of people say like dairy can be a problem. You got to try it. You don't know. And I thought, well, it's not a problem for me because um, I used to think of myself as lactose intolerant, you know, in my younger years. And I always hated milk. I never, you know, I, I stopped drinking that when I was a kid and I never started again. But cheese, I was like, well, I can eat some and, and my stomach will get upset. But um, if I keep it to a small amount, it's okay. And then when I started keto, I was able to eat more cheese without my stomach getting upset. So I thought, well, you know, it's not, I don't have a problem. But then, you know, finally I was like, on carnivore, I was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta actually do the experiment and see. And so I decided to like do two weeks or something like that. And so I stopped and I, I really, you know, the first day or two, it was like, oh my God, how am I going to go all this time without cheese? Oh my God. Oh my God. And then I completely forgot about cheese. And like the next week it was like, gee, I don't know why I was even concerned about this. I, I barely miss it. And then I was uh, out with my uh, mom and I got hungry and, you know, it had been a long time since I had had, you know, since I'd last eaten and blah, blah, blah. And she had those uh, um, Parmesan wisps, you know, those little crackers that are made of Parmesan cheese. And so I just had one or two. I didn't even have that many. And like within an hour, I needed my inhaler. And then I realized I hadn't used my inhaler for 10 days. And I had wow. been one of those people who, you know, my, my asthma was not well controlled. So I still needed my rescue inhaler pretty often. 
And, um, the fact that I hadn't needed it for 10 days, hadn't even thought about it. It was just stunning. And I had, I think I had about a pound of cheese at home. So I was like, well, uh, I gotta, you know, I have to be 100% sure that this is cheese and not something else. And, um, let me really make sure. So, I, I said, I have so many puffs left in my inhaler and I have so much cheese left. So let's just kind of go back and forth. And so I did the test four times um, where I ate cheese, you know, waited to see the reaction. Like within an hour, I started to feel like I needed my inhaler. Then I would go like, you know, three, four days without it you know, try to get to the point where I, I felt fine and didn't have any need for it. And then I tried it again and I did it four times. And the last time I did it, I had like, um, like, a you know, a pizza type pizza thing, um, before, you know, I had a late dinner and then, uh, you know, I went to bed and I, I had a dream that I needed my inhaler. And then I woke up and realized I needed my inhaler. And wow. I was just like, no, you know, I mean, my job as a, my sole job as an adult is to keep myself alive. So if I'm doing something that I know is, is actually, you know, making a death more imminent, like I can't keep doing that. So I, you know, I said, that's it. And I haven't eaten any uh, dairy since. Um, butter, I'm very careful about. So initially I didn't have any butter for like six months. And then I started making ghee and that seemed to be okay. And I do eat butter like without, um, making, turning it into ghee. Uh, but I, I try to be sparing with it. It's not something I eat all the time. I don't eat a lot of it. Um, but you know, I'm okay with that. So that was a big stark change for me. Um, my, uh, and I think that for me, I am particularly sensitive to, to things. So not everybody is like that. And I do try to remind people as they start um, carnivore, there's a lot of ways to do it and you don't have to be super strict. Um, and what I tell people in my community is, uh, you know, you can choose to do it strict, moderate, or relaxed. And strict is just simply from the animal kingdom. Um, and, you know, you have to decide where you are with eggs and with dairy, if those are things that you need to be careful about, but anything in the animal kingdom is fine. And then for moderate carnivore, I say, you know, you can add spices and herbs and coffee and low sugar fruits like avocado and olives. And then, um, relaxed would be, you can add in, uh, artificial sweeteners and, um, you know, a small amount of vegetables. Like if you go out to a restaurant and the side comes with broccoli or whatever you can eat it. So I tell people, you know, you decide where you want to be within there. You can, you know, mix and match through the day or over a course of a week or over the course of a month, but you know, only you have to live with the consequences of what you do. So if you can handle these things and it doesn't make you have cravings, it doesn't make you fall off plan. It doesn't, you know, flare up any disease, then, you know, have at it. It's, you know, do it. But, you know, some people need to be more strict. So I found when I took out the spices, you know, took out any of the little extra thingies and really was strict, like that's when I saw a lot of healing for myself and, and that's where I feel best. Mm -hmm. So that's what I do, but um, not everybody has to be that strict. So in any event, my autoimmune stuff, you know, of which is what I have the most of with asthma, allergies, and eczema, um, my, uh, my allergies mostly went away on keto, but my asthma and eczema needed to go. I needed to do the, 
no dairy, and also no plants. And I think that with plants, um, you know, I did an interesting interview with, um, uh, what's her name? Sally Norton talking about oxalates. And I think that, you know, removing the plants is not about going zero carb. It's really about removing the anti-nutrients that plants give you. So going zero carb is, um, it's sort of a consequence of removing anything from the plant kingdom. Mm. It's not, it's not the goal. And so, uh, but I think that people, when you start to remove those anti-nutrients, a lot of that autoimmune stuff goes away. And, uh, and I think that carnivore, what's so beautiful about it is that it really, it, there's no other way to reduce inflammation more than that way of eating. And, um, and so I, that's what I saw for myself and reduced inflammation can be, you know, it can be the allergy stuff, but it can also be, you know, lupus. It can also be depression. It can also be, you know, uh, um, inflammation sort of manifests itself in lots of different ways in different people. So it's, it's interesting and surprising to see the kinds of changes that happen, but they, you know, they can be very significant. Mm, that's so interesting. It sounds like your digestive system is very similar to my wife, Bethany, uh, extremely, extremely sensitive. I mean, she would be a very, very difficult person to nutrition coach. And, you know, we've refined her diet over the years and she's in a really good place now and is primarily carnivore. It's funny that you mentioned, um, the Parmesan chips though, because every, you know, maybe once a month she'll decide that she wants to go buy something like that and it will just destroy her. It just completely wrecks her. And so she ends up eating less like variety of food and she has a history of an eating disorder. And so I think it would be easy to look at somebody like your diet or somebody like her diet and think like, Oh, this is just disordered eating. You're just eating so few things that, you know, you're, you're excluding all these other things that could keep your diet more balanced. What would you say to somebody who said like, wow, you're, you're very restrictive on your food? Well, I would say you have to define you know, restriction. I mean, I think a lot of times people think about what is like when they go on carnivore, they are like, oh, you know, I have to eat all of these different animals because I need variety. But I would say, you know, you need to eat different parts. I mean, if you're eating muscle meat in a lot of different animals, like that's, that's not variety. But if you're eating organ meat, muscle meat, connective tissue, you know, all of uh, bones, that gives you variety, even if you're in the same animal. So I don't know. I mean, when I look at what I used to eat, even when I was trying to be healthy, um, there wasn't a lot of variety. I bought the same things, you know, at the grocery store, there were, you know, um, certain kinds of vegetables. It wasn't a big variety of them. And then it was the same kind of meat and it was all muscle meat. So I, I don't know, I don't think that people get more variety and the more packaged food that you're incorporating, um, the more wheat and corn and soy you're incorporating, which doesn't, that's not, <laughs> I don't think of that as being more variety. Um, I think, you know, we all suffer. Well, we all suffer from a low variety of food, but I think that I um, have more variety in that I am willing to eat uh, the different parts of the animal and, um, and have access to 
um, you know, a lot more nutrients that way. Mm, I love that. That's a very thoughtful answer. I couldn't agree more. I think, I think a lot of people confuse variety of food with like just eating to satiety. Like you're not restricting if you get to eat as many meals as you like, and you get really, really full to the point that you don't want to continue eating or snacking. Or like you said, like the carbohydrate cravings, the sugar cravings, they end up going away and you just kind of settle into this really easy routine where you get to eat as much as you like. There's no restriction there. Yeah, absolutely. Mm, very and, you know, that was something I had sort of struggled with for a long time is, is always, you know, wanting more, you know, and ha having this desire for dessert at the end of a meal or whatever. And it's, it's really beautiful how completely and totally satisfied I can feel after a meal. And uh, for many people, uh, and myself included, like I can't remember a time when I felt like totally satisfied by a meal. Satisfied that. Okay. So <laughs> that is such an important distinction between fullness, because if we go back and eat that salad that you were talking about, you and I would probably get pretty full, but again, we would be so hungry in a few hours that we would absolutely have to eat or snack where satiation is like, you can barely lift the fork. You don't really have much, you know, desire to eat anymore. And you can go about your day and do other things. Those are two totally different things. Yeah. And that was something that I really worked on when I first started keto. Um, and that wasn't even something I knew about then, but I just knew when I went on this, you know, that my last keto diet that I wanted to, I didn't want to carry food around, um, all, you know, in many previous dietary efforts, you know, I kind of was like, okay, I've got to figure out breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And then I need a mid morning snack and an afternoon snack, and then maybe a snack before bed. So basically I'm planning six times that I have to eat in a day. And that's a lot. There's a lot of food to buy. It's a lot of preparation. You know, it's a lot to think about and to make sure that all of that fits within in a certain calorie allotment. And it was just like, I'm just sick of it. I don't want to do it. I don't want to count calories. I don't want to think about this stuff. I'm really, really sick of it. So I was like, okay, I'm going to eat three meals a day and I'm going to figure out what I can eat. That's going to allow me to get from one meal to the next. And so, you know, sort of by elimination, I kind of figured out, you know, that scrambled eggs with cheese and bacon for breakfast kept me until lunch. And so, you know, I sort of made that a staple, uh, you know, while I was doing keto. And then I, you know, kind of worked backwards to figure out what were the meals that really worked for me. And, um, and then, you know, sort of learned, oh, it's because, you know, I had the fatty meat in there <laughs> and that was what it was doing. So, uh, yeah, I, you know, I listened to my body and I, I think that is so important. I mean, I, I had heard about intuitive eating before, and I think that that is a wonderful, wonderful goal, but it can't be done, especially if you are a sugar addict, it can't be done until you remove the sugar and you find a way of eating that's actually nutritive and filling and satisfying. Once you've done that, you can just go by your intuition and, you know, you will figure out exactly what to eat and how much to eat and be, you know, perfectly happy, but, um, you can't do it in the context of sugar. Mm, I totally agree. I mean, it would be like quitting smoking, but you can smoke on Tuesday or like quitting drinking, but you can have like two beers a night or something like you're, you're not going to be able to moderate that nearly as well. And you're right. Like some people can, but I'm, I'm kind of with you. Like the last time I had sugar, I had a really tough time stopping. Like when I knew that I wanted to be done, I couldn't, I couldn't stop. I just kept going and going and going. And it's, it was really kind of shocking and alarming to me 
Um, but yeah, if you've got that kind of more addictive feeling towards sugar, like you're, you're pretty much at a place where it, it should probably be zero at that point. Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. Mm. How has your opinion on protein changed as you've been doing the carnivore diet? Well, I, I think that protein is important and you know, that's, um, I start by thinking about the meat that I want to have. I think that we've gotten so, um, so hyper-focused on, you know, formulas and controlling everything that we eat and making sure that we hit certain macros and certain calorie counts. And that, um, that attention to detail has forced us to do weird things. So, um, in real life, you know, protein and fat come together. They're not separate things. So, uh, you know, like when you're eating from the animal kingdom, um, or, you know, when you're eating anywhere, like those things all come together, you know, they don't, exist, um, naturally like alone. And so if you're getting, if you're trying to hit a certain macro or, you know, um, or a certain calorie count that forces you to try to separate these things and then bring them together how you want. And, you know, the natural extension of that is to eat a protein shake with fat added, and then you can hit that number perfectly. But that's not natural eating. I mean, that's not natural food. It's not whole food. And I do not believe that there's any um, artificial product that, you know, human beings can create that is going to give you all of what food, a natural whole food provides. So there may be, you know, a useful, um, you know, a protein shake can be a useful tool in your uh, tool chest but it is not, it should not be, you know, the basis of a healthy diet. And so, um, I, I think that you want to eat a variety of meats and, um, choose generally choose the fattiest cuts that you can. Although some people feel better when they choose leaner cuts. Um, and some people do better on the fattier end and you kind of can figure out, you know, where you stand, but, um, I don't think that doing super high protein is, um, you know, is super, is very important. You know, you want to eat enough, you know, but, um, there's a lot of, I don't know, there's a lot of argument about, you know, like how much you should have. And it seems like there's a pretty broad spread there. So I just decided to uh, turn away from being concerned about that and just eat, the meat that I like that makes me feel good and it makes me feel satisfied. Mm. And, you know, at the end of the day, um, my body knows exactly what it needs and what it wants at any given moment. The macros that I'm given, the formulas that I, you know, read and see out there, all of those are averages that have been discerned from studies of people but they don't speak to me specifically and to my specific situation. And, um, and I have to remind myself too, when I'm like, you know, logging things in my fitness pal, like the information I'm given is an average. It is not telling me exactly what, you know, the steak that is on my plate, exactly, you know, it's calorie count, it's protein count, it's fat count. And so getting to, obsessed with those numbers, you know, is, is pointless because it, it, you know, they don't relate to what's exactly happening. And also, you know, from day to day, depending on your activity, the time of year, you know, the humidity, like everything, 
um, your, you know, your needs are going to change and fluctuate and your body knows that and is designed to deal with that. And it communicates with you so that you can, you know, get what it needs. Uh, but if you're not listening to that communication, then you are not going to be able to properly provide it. And I think even listening to the quote unquote experts over listening to your body, um, you know, is, is not going to, that's going to lead you away from health rather than toward it. Cause it's going to lead you to stop listening to your body. Mm. I love that. I couldn't agree more. It just seems like for most people that we work with, it, it seems to kind of sort itself out naturally on its own where, you know, if somebody is used to counting things and tracking everything and weighing everything, like, yeah, you're going to have a lot more questions in the beginning because this is going to be something new for you. But over time, like it just becomes like a non-issue. Like you, it doesn't, it's not a big thing. You don't need to worry about it nearly as much. So I love that answer. I'm curious to know, when did you decide that you wanted to take this message and not only apply it in your life, but also help other people along their own journey and start doing coaching and things like that? Well, I, I think that I always, um, I always wanted to do it because this was the information and the messaging that I needed. And uh, I wanted to, you know, create what, what didn't exist for me. And, uh, so all through my keto journey, I was, you know, watching lots of videos and whatever, you know, whatever social media and YouTube I could find. And, um, I just felt like, you know, there was, there was pockets and pieces missing. And so that's what I, so I wanted to just try to, to fill that and, um, you know, weight and, um, you know, food and sugar has been an issue, not only for me, but for my mom and my family. And I see so many people struggle and I have so many, you know, friends and people that I see in the community who are, you know, realistically, you know, putting in a ton of work, you know, those are the people at the gym. They're really, you know, committed. They're there, they're there early and they're doing the work, but they don't have good information. And so they're like actively working against themselves, you know, so they're doing, you know, they're killing it at the gym, but they're just not, they're still not losing weight. Um, they're causing, you know, per, perhaps, uh, more damage to, you know, their bodies as they, you know, um, are eating poorly, not getting good nutrition, not getting enough rest. And, um, and I hate to see people, you know, putting in the work and still not making progress because they are working with bad information. So that's why I wanted to, you know, try to, you know, try to help people try to get it out there. And not everybody is ready, willing, or interested in receiving this message. So it definitely, you know, in the beginning when you're feeling amazing and all this stuff is happening, you know, I was like everybody else trying to evangelize, tell everybody, you know, see, you know, somebody standing on the street corner eating something and it's like, Hey friend, let me tell you. <laughs> and, um, people don't like that. So <laughs> if you didn't know that people don't like that. So I stopped, uh, stopped trying to do that and just tried to provide the information in, you know, in a place where if people wanted to, to consume it, they, you know, they had that option. And so that's kind of why I kept going. Mm. It's kind of like that saying, like, if you, how do you know if somebody's vegan, they'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Totally. Yeah, wow. Absolutely. Why did you decide to focus your attention on the black community? I, I, because uh, they're, 
there's a need for it. And, um, and I didn't see anybody else doing it. And I wanted to, you know, to make sure that, um, you know, that it's out there. And one of the things I think is interesting about the carnivore diet is, you know, because it's so different and so unusual that, um, the people who end up there are the people who've tried everything else and who are the sickest and, um, and often, uh, you know, older women who, you know, have spent years, um, you know, putting other people's and needs before their own and before their own health. And so, um, you know, those are the people who are kind of ready at, you know, 45, 50, 55 to say, okay, I'm going to try this thing. That's totally wacko. Um, and so I, you know, that was the population that, uh, you know, that I was a part of, uh, that I, my friends are a part of, you know, and that that's the population that I wanted to speak to, you know, women who are now at the point where, um, you know, they're taking care of aging parents, their kids are a little older, they're getting sicker, their bodies are breaking down. And, um, you know, and I question like my generation, how old are we going to get? Like, I, I don't think we're going to live as long as, you know, the previous generations. So, um, yeah, so I wanted to, I wanted to speak to the women, um, you know, all the women, all my sisters, all my mothers, all my aunties and, uh, you know, and really try to spread the information. That's beautiful. I love that. What, what are some of the unique challenges in the community that you notice that maybe somebody, you know, like me, white dude in the suburbs of Salt Lake City might not really appreciate fully? Well, I think that food itself is, you know, hugely important um, in every community. Food transmits uh, culture. It transmits, um, you know, social and family norms. It is a way that people communicate with each other. It is a way that people connect. It is a way that people come together. So I think uh, I think that it is really important to recognize how important food is. And I think, you know, when I certainly when I started my channel, there were people who were like, you know, what's the deal? Like, why do you have to be black carnivore? Like it's food is food. Like there doesn't need to be a black you know, or racial aspect of this. And um, and, you know, I feel that uh, food is very cultural. You know, it it it. it you know, by its very nature, this is how, um, people relate to one another. So, um, you do have to address like the different ways that people eat the different types of things that they eat and figure out how to make the, the diet work within those, you know, cultural norms so that people feel more comfortable eating it, you know, trying to eat this way. So, um, you know, so that doesn't mean that, uh, you know, the, uh, the way that diet like, you know, physically affects the body is necessarily different. Although there are, I think some, you know, there are some differences, but, um, you know, finding a way to, uh, you know, to answer concerns, um, to speak to the rest of your family about what you're doing and to have some of the foods that, you know, that, um, are traditional so that you don't feel, so disconnected, um, and that you're able to engage in, you know, nostalgia and, and family connection without, 
you know, totally walking away from the foods. Mm. And right now, especially, I like to talk about nostalgia because, you know, we're going into the holiday season and um, it's really hard. You know, uh, we we start with Halloween and we go have to go all the way through New Year's. And it's basically, you know, sort of being... Um, uh, assaulted <laughs> by all the things you used to eat as a kid or, you know, or whenever the pleasant times are in your memories. And, um, you kind of have to be, uh, you have to make a decision about how you want to address those things as you go along. And if you don't, each one of them is going to grab you and you're, you know, you're, you may fall down at Halloween, you may fall down at Thanksgiving, and then you just decide, well, you know, I'm down here. Let me just lay here until, you know, January 2nd, then I'll get myself together. Yeah, totally. Wow. Yeah. That's a really good answer. Um, I'm, I'm curious. I, I, I think you understand we haven't really done the best job in this country of providing trust in, you know, health and health recommendations and things like that. That's gone on for centuries. Um, does your voice in the community sound different than my voice would? Like if I said something as far as like a health recommendation, would, you, would yours ring more true in the community? I think so, you know, and that is why I decided to do my podcast and interview people because, you know, it's important to see people who look like you and, um, and, you know, that, um, that's partly because you just want to know that, you know, someone who is like you in some way is able to do this diet or, you know, whatever the thing is you're recommending and, um, and able to incorporate it, incorporate it into their lives. And, um, you know, and I think that race is sometimes a proxy for, um, you know, imagining that this other person and you have something in common. Um, you know, I look at you and I, I don't, think that we necessarily have anything in common, although, you know, we might once we start talking and it's like, oh, <laughs> there's actually a lot. We like steak. But <laughs> it is important. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe books. I don't know. You know, we may, we may have a lot. But um, I think, uh, I mean, the fact that we both have a podcast, I think is a pretty clear indicator that we have things totally. in common. But, um, but I think it, you know, it is important to see yourself in other people who are doing this. And that, that is going to be that connector that helps you to move forward. And, um, and that's why I wanted to put black faces, uh, forward and elevate our voices to be able to speak specifically about eating this way. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I just don't see it in other places and, you know, and that's partly, I mean, it's, you know, the algorithm that doesn't, you know, produce my content to, uh, you know, white viewers, because I mean, this is something that people, um, have, you know, talked about specifically at YouTube that, um, you know, the algorithm sort of, uh, thinks that, that, um, that white people don't want to consume content by black people. And so, um, you know, my content doesn't get served up as much. Um, wow. and uh, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of, uh, you know, well, I guess there's a lot of studies about that and in general. Um, so, you know, when you talk about something that's even more niche, that means that, you know, my audience is limited. Uh, I've had many, many people write to me like, oh my God, how am I just finding your channel? You have tons of content. It's amazing. And why, you know, when I search carnivore, why do you not pop up? And it's like, yeah. 
you know, and that was actually why I chose the title uh, Black Carnivore, because I just wanted it to be easy as possible for anyone looking for this to find it. And so, you know, um, you know, I, and I've had many people, that's how they found me. They were like, I wonder if any other black people are doing carnivore. And then they were like, oh, oh, my God. Awesome. Wow. So uh, I tried to make the name as easy as possible. Uh, and that was that was why I chose that. Mm. Well, I love it. I love your podcast too. Can you tell us um, what made you decide to start a podcast and what have been some of the things you've learned along the way? Well, I was I'm an avid consumer of podcasts for years. So I I think I had always wanted to start one. And in fact, if, um, you know, uh, if any viewers or listeners want to go way back, I started a podcast called Black Keto with another friend of mine who I got to go on the keto diet. We, um, you know, it, do, making a podcast is hard work. If anybody, uh, you know, for all of you creatives out there, you know what I'm talking about. So we were able to do a few episodes, but it, you know, it was very um, infrequent and it was hard to build up the, um, I, I think, you know, to build up the uh, number of episodes necessary to, to, you know, to build up any kind of following. So, um, you know, we kind of put that aside and then I decided to pick up YouTube because I saw some video that said, Hey, it's easier to build a following on YouTube. So I was like, okay. And uh, I started doing that, but I called it a podcast because I don't know, I guess I envisioned it as a podcast, but really um, it's a video. And then I load it up on Libsyn so that, um, you know, it can also be listened to. And so periodically I might forget to upload things to Libsyn. And then I have people write me, Hey, I hate YouTube. Please upload the latest uh, episodes. And it's like, Oh, thank you. Thank you for the <laughs> reminder. Wow. That's great. You also offer some coaching yeah. programs. I would love to hear about your 21 day program. That sounds really interesting. Yeah. So I, I do a group coaching and, um, in, in my former life, I have done, uh, quite a bit of weight loss coaching. Um, I actually used to work for Weight Watchers and, um, I, yeah. So I, a lot of my weight loss time was spent at Weight Watchers, but I didn't follow the Weight Watchers program. I followed keto because that's what worked for me. And, uh, but it was really helpful for me to have that week to week accountability to face the scale, to go to a, to a group, to be engaged with people who are focused on changing their lives and changing their relationship with food. So I really understand, um, the importance of having that community. And, uh, to this day, I, you know, that matters to me. And, and then, you know, I did, did well with my weight loss journey. And so they asked me if I'd be interested in coaching and I was like, sure. So, um, I coached people and I loved that group coaching. I liked, um, helping people, helping the group come together to talk, to support one another and to get what they needed to be successful. So, but that was a wonderful time. I liked doing the work, but it was hard when I saw people doing things that I knew weren't going to work for them. And I, I knew that they were genuinely working hard to lose weight and get healthy. And they were just doing things that weren't working for them. Um, I did my best to encourage people to eat more protein, to relax on fat, to stay away from the sweets and never use the word, <laughs> the, the words that were forbidden to be said there. Um, but, uh, but I, when I did those things, you know, those people saw success and, um, you know, and that was great. 
So, uh, but I enjoyed the, the group coaching and I continue to do that. So I have a program that is, you know, higher touch where I do, you know, the group coaching, uh, like on a zoom. And I also, you know, I'm regularly daily, you know, in touch and texting and looking at your food and, and workout and all that kind of stuff. So that provides the accountability. It also, you know, provides some guidance and making sure, you know, you figure out how to shape the diet so that it fits into your your life, not trying to fit your life into a structured, rigid diet. And, um, and so that's, that's one thing. And then, you know, not everybody needs that level of accountability or wants it or is able to afford to do that. And so I wanted to have something that was, um, you know, a bit more global. And so I created this, a 21 day challenge. I, I kind of wanted to do it one, to set people up right for going into Thanksgiving. Um, I feel like if you've got three solid weeks of being, you know, really, really, um, uh, you know, clean on your program, you are probably going to be more insulin sensitive and, um, you know, and not have sugar cravings. And you can either eat some of this stuff and not go totally crazy or you have the strength to say, you know what, I'm not going to eat any of that stuff. And I'm going to, you know, stick to my carnivore program and I'm going to enjoy family and everything in a non-food way. So that's what this challenge is. So basically I give you a meal plan, workout plan, we, and, um, and this uh, platform where you can get the support you need, communicate, post your, you know, weekly progress picks and, um, you know, and have accountability to the group. And, um, and I will do a weekly Q and a session. So try to get some of these questions answered and help people, you know, move forward. So that is happening. Um, well today, November 1st is when it's closing, um, you know, tonight. So, uh, but I, I am hoping that it goes well. I think it will. And I think that I will do it again on December 1st and do it again for three weeks to lead people up to Christmas um, or Hanukkah. Uh, you know, uh, that's a hard one too, because you got those donuts and uh, I, well, I'm in New York and, and they're, you know, <laughs> like the, I don't know why, but fried, um, fried bread and it goes with the holiday and uh yeah. So donuts, um, jelly donuts are a thing. Wow. Um, so yeah, but so hopefully this can get you right up to those two holidays and then, um, you know, and then you can figure out and then, you know, next year I, I hope to do this more and I hope to, you know, maybe implement a program where I'm actually doing face-to-face -face group coaching and, you know, maybe you can, um, uh, you know, sign up to have that level, uh, that additional level of support. That's just a group, you know, because being with other people, I think is really important. It helps kind of cut through the, you know, the BS that goes on in your mind. And, um, it allows you to see that, you know, either you are freakishly weird or you are just like everybody else. And <laughs> either way, that's helpful information. Generally speaking, it seems to be the former, not so much the latter. I think everybody's out there struggling and suffering in a way that feels unique to them, but everybody else is doing it too. So I think it's um, awesome that yeah. you do that in a group setting. There's definitely a different kind of vibe and a different kind of power when everybody is contributing to the conversation. And this has been an amazing conversation. Um, where? Um, where would you like people to go to find you and find your work and connect with you? 
I, so I'm on Instagram at black carnivore. I'm very active there. I'm also on Facebook. Um, I have a Facebook group called black carnivore that is for black carnivores. Um, I have a lot of uh, supporters who are, uh, all, you know, all races, uh, everything. And, um, those people engage with me on YouTube. I have a live stream, um, on Thursday nights at 7 PM Eastern time. And lots of people jump into the chat and get support and encouragement they need there. And of course, this challenge is another way to engage with me. So, um, I enjoy, you know, dealing with and talking to lots of different people and, um, you know, uh, I welcome people to come. There's, I think, you know, really good, solid scientific information on my channel, but also a kind of support that, um, you know, I don't see other places. And uh, I, I think that I have a unique voice and something to offer that is, you know, if this is, if you like, if you like what you hear, come, come hang out. That's Come awesome. spend some more time with us. Wow. Well, I've been on all of your sites and they are very inclusive and very welcoming. And we can tell that you really put your heart and emotion into this and you're really helping a lot of people. A.D. Fox, thank you so much for your work, um, for the journey that you've been on and then wanting to share that with others. We think it's really wonderful and inspiring. And we're so grateful for you and the time that you had to come on our show today. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. It was an honor. And this has been another episode of Boundless Body Radio.